Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from our special guest. So thankful to have Chuck here um, to be able to speak more on advancing the kingdom, what the Lord has placed in his heart. He is a kingdom man. I believe that he carries the anointing of Barnabas. I don't know if I've ever said that to you. The Lord gave that to me this morning. He's like, Chuck is a Barnabas. He is an encourager. He is a prophetic voice. Um, he uh, and his wife met at, at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, so we know they come from great soil. You know, and so we just want to welcome them as a part of the house. They are a friend of legacy and a friend of God. So thank you, Chuck, for being here. You guys stand and welcome Chuck Marr. And let me just pray for you really quick. So, Father, we receive Chuck, God. We thank you for him. We thank you for his family. Lord, we thank you for the word that is in this man, Lord. Let it come forth with power to equip, transform, and change us. We thank you for the mandate on his life to do that. And so we receive it, and we receive him. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, good morning. You guys doing well? Can we thank the worship team one more time? And uh, can we just give it up for Jesus, the, the one who this is all about? Lord, we just say that we love you. We worship you, Jesus. We say, Holy Spirit, you have preeminence in this place this morning, that you would come and you would have your way, Lord. Father, we ask that you would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are. I ask, God, that you would just release just uh, open hearts, God, hungry spirits. I pray, Father, that you would come and you would release an anointing, God, for me to say things that I didn't plan on saying. And people would hear things from you that I didn't even say. That, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would possess me, that you would use me, that I would be fully surrendered to your heart and to your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to be with you guys again. I think it was five or six weeks ago that I was with you last. And uh, if you weren't here, and I know um, Cindy just said it, but I'll just give you a little bit about me and my wife. My wife, Anna, and I moved to San Antonio, Texas seven years ago from Bethel School, from, from Bethel Reading, where we both did School of Supernatural Ministry. Uh, we met there, which is why sometimes we call it Bethel School of Supernatural Marriage. And clearly when you get there, you're like, oh, are you really sure you're here to be equipped? Are you here to find somebody, you know? But it's a little bit of both, um, but that's okay. You, you know, what better place to find somebody? But we met there, um, got married in 2012, traveled full-time for the first two years of our marriage, equipping churches, preaching equipping churches to move in the supernatural, went to Australia, New Zealand, around Europe, and uh, of course, America, Canada. And, uh, and then we moved to San Antonio seven years ago to be on staff at a church, uh, Kingdom Life San Antonio. The beginning of this year, we transitioned out of our role there, and uh, we are now um, still living in San Antonio, but doing some more travel again. Uh, you can follow us at Mar Ministries, M-A-H-E-R Ministries.com. And uh, as Cindy mentioned, some of my wife's books are over there if you didn't get a chance to grab one. Last time we were here, and I did just release this, Kingdom Perspectives. Um, Thank you. Seeing yourself, others, and the world through the lens of heaven. How many of you know it's important for us to view ourselves, people, circumstances, and the world around us the way that God sees them? 
and uh, so this is kind of a compilation of uh, my life messages. And uh, you know, my wife got a got a word from Sean Bolts that she was going to write a book, and she went home and wrote the outline. It's her book, Embracing Mystery. Uh, she wrote the entire outline the next day and had it released within like six months to a year. It took me like eight years to write this, so I don't have any bitterness about that. We're not competitive at all. Um, but uh, who wants this? Anybody um, have a birthday this week? Any birth- birthday this week? Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. You win. You win. Come come get this. Come get this. And, uh, yeah. Is she here? All right. Well, well, I want to I want to write something in that for her before you leave, Nicole. What What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, here. No, you take it and then remind me. Okay. And uh, my goal is just to make Nicole like walk around as much as possible this morning. Um, uh, if uh, if anybody um, wants to buy a copy of, of uh, my book, is $15. Um, somebody's going to be back there. Cindy's going to be back there to help you buy that um, credit card, cash check, gold watches. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but they're, they're for sale back there, and I'd love to sign a copy for anybody that wants, um, wants a copy and pray for you and uh, bless you with that. So, all right. You guys doing well? Um, just a quick testimony. Um, First of all, uh, my wife and I, we just got in at about 11 p.m. last night from Cancun. Um, so uh, I know you probably feel really bad for me. You can pray for me. You can pray for us. Celebrating our, I mean, our 10-year anniversary is in October. We, we did an early celebration of our 10-year anniversary. And our flight was canceled. We were supposed to get in Friday. Uh, but our flight was canceled, um, so we were stuck at a hotel near the airport and just got in yesterday into Dallas where we had to pick up our girls and then uh, drive back to San Antonio. So we got in at 11 last night about. Um, so thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit and caffeine and for venti chai lattes with two shots of espresso So on the way here. So that's the spirit of wisdom right there. Um, but I just want to share a quick testimony. Last weekend, um, I had the privilege of speaking. I actually, I, I preached like four times, I think, last weekend at a friend's church, um, True Love of Jesus, and with multiple um, locations, one on the south side of San Antonio. And we saw God do cool things throughout the weekend. But on the very last night, um, I talked about living a supernatural lifestyle um, that would have been last Sunday night in, in this hotel conference room where the church meets. And uh, I had people stand that needed prayer for healing in their bodies. And uh, quite a few people stood in the room. And God, God 100%, at least according to their testimony, healed every single person that stood except two people. Can we just thank Jesus for that? Just that he's faithful, that he loves to heal. Listen, I said this last about five weeks ago. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come. First of all, he said, our father in heaven, holy is your name. He started with worship. And then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught his disciples to pray heaven to earth. And when heaven touches earth or touches a situation, everything that's not of heaven has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no depression. There's no anxiety. 
There's no confusion. So when heaven invades earth, wherever it touches down, whether it's a person, a city, a region, or a nation, everything that's not, that doesn't look like heaven has to come into submission to the kingdom of heaven. And how many of you know that we're in an hour right now where the kingdom of heaven is invading planet Earth in unprecedented ways, and it's, it's causing the kingdoms of this world to look like the kingdoms of our Lord and our Christ? And I'm getting into my message a little bit, but it's really important that we focus more on what God's doing than what it seems like he's not doing or, or that it seems like the devil's doing. Sometimes we have way too big of a devil and too small of a God. And sometimes we have more faith in the devil's ability to deceive us and to attack us and to trick us than we do in God's ability to bless us, keep us, protect us, and invade heaven in, or ha- let heaven invade earth through our lives. I love what Graham Cook said. He said, when the devil fell from heaven, he took a third of the angels with him, who were the fallen angels who became demons. That means, he, and he said this in his really cool British accent, he said, That's, that means we still outnumber the suckers two to one, and we have Jesus. <laughs> you know, so we should be encouraged, you know. But uh, we saw God heal just a bunch of people last weekend. And one, one young lady set, uh, um, in her 20s, I forget what part of her body it was in. I just texted the pastor to ask him, but he didn't get back to me, and he's probably preaching. But she was healed of 17 years of pain in her body. God just took it away completely. Isn't that amazing? Can we just thank Jesus for that? And listen, and just before I even get into my message, I felt like God wanted to touch some people. So if you have any pain in your body at all, I just want you to stand where you are. We're just going to do a wholesale prayer for healing in your body. If you have any pain in your body, I just want to pray for you right now. And by the way, just during worship, I felt like there's somebody that has pain in their right arm, and it's almost like the shoulder and goes all through your arm, even into your wrist. I don't know if it's arthritis. That's you. It's your whole right arm, correct? And it goes all the way up. I feel like God's just going to touch you. In fact, right now, in the name of Jesus, just lift your hands up like this. Father, I thank you for my precious sister. And I just release the presence and the fire of heaven. There it is. More, more. Whoa. More, 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 more. Yeah. Lord, touch her right now. Touch her right now from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. And I speak to that pain and I say, come out of her now. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over all pain, and I say, come out of her now, and I just release the shalom of heaven. Yeah, more peace. The peace of God right now in the name of Jesus. And God's even just releasing peace over you as it pertains to your family right now. Yeah, even just the, the way that you've been, just what's, what's really heavy on your heart right now, even I feel like maybe for some children that you've just, they've been on your heart, and I feel like the Lord's just saying he's making all things new. He's restoring, he's healing, and he's doing what only he can do. So you need to worry. You can't make it happen because he's doing it in the name of Jesus. And I'm just hearing the Lord say, all you need to do is stand and watch the victory of the Lord on your behalf. Wow. In Jesus' name. So I just bless you with that right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. How's your arm? Is it move, move it around? How's it feel? Come on, let's thank Jesus for that. He's amazing. Lord, you're the King of Kings and you're the Lord of Lords, and we worship you. Okay, so 
those that aren't standing, just stretch your hands toward these ones. If, you, if you're sitting close enough to them, just put a hand on them. Father, I pray right now, those that are standing for prayer, I just want you to lift your hands out as though you're going to receive something from, from heaven. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just release supernatural healing right now. Those that have your hand on them, I want you to out loud say, kingdom come, all pain go in Jesus' name. Healing flow. Body be healed. Kingdom come. Lord, that your will be done in these bodies as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name. So, Lord, right now, I pray that you would just touch all of these ones who are standing. Somebody that's been getting migraine headaches. I just see the Lord taking that away right now in the name of Jesus. We say migraines go in Jesus' name. Um, I, I felt like there was a man with uh, your right knees being healed. And I don't know if it's a lack of cartilage, if it's bone on bone or what it is. But somebody, a man with pain in your right knee, I release healing into your knee right now in Jesus' name. Shoulders healed, backs healed, all over the room right now. Lord, really supernatural healing and let life flow into these bodies, restoration, healing, because Lord, you're a God that makes all things new in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just stay where you are just for a minute. Those that just stood for prayer, move around and try to do something that you couldn't do. Test it out. Um, if it's your back, move your back. If it's your shoulder, move your shoulder. We just want to... Um, see how you're doing and celebrate with you. Right now, as you start to test it out and try to do something you couldn't do, raise your hand if all the pain's gone. All the pain's gone. Just raise your hand if right now as you're moving around, you're noticing that you're pain-free. Right here, pain-free. Let's thank Jesus. Right here, pain-free. Anybody else right back here? Let's thank Jesus for that. Come on. Anyone else? 85% better or more. Wave at me right now. If it's about 80. Wow, look around. Come on. Let's thank Jesus for that. Well, I just pray 100% healing that by the end of today, you'll be 100% pain-free in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's thank the Lord one more time. Isn't he good? All right. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. Starting in verse 1. First Samuel 30, verse 1. Just to lay um, a little bit of a context, David, who, we, who comes to be known as King David, has, has already been anointed king by the prophet Samuel. And, uh, but he hasn't yet become king. But he has a crew. He has, he has um, uh, these men that have gathered around him, some mighty men. And uh, at this point in the narrative, David has kind of defected from Israel and tried to join the Philistines, actually, in fighting against Israel. And when he tried to join the Philistines, because they knew he was anointed to be king over Israel one day, they didn't trust him. They're like, nah, we're not going to let you and your men roll with us because you might turn on us. So go back to your camp, go back to Ziglag, and sit this one out. And that, so that's where we're going to pick up. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, it says this. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. 
So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed, understandably, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. Listen to this and underline this in your Bible or highlight it or circle it or write it on your friend's arm or something. It says this, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Some translations say, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let's keep reading. Verse 7, then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 men stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Verse 17, let's skip down. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 men, young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had been taken from them. David recovered all. Now, I know there was a lot of, uh, a lot of Bible, a lot, a lot of scripture. Some of you, that's the most you've read all year. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, but what's crazy about stories like this to me is when we read stories like this, like this isn't just some like fictional story. Like this is history. This actually happened where David and his men come back to Ziklag and they find the city completely burned and their women and children taken captive. Now, keep in mind, we know the rest of the story because it tells us that they weren't killed. They were just taken captive. But David doesn't even realize this. He comes back, cities burned with fire, women and children are gone. He doesn't know if they're alive yet or not, at least in the beginning. And, and as if that wasn't bad enough, David's own men, several hundred of them, started to blame him for what happened. And we're like, let's just stone David to death. Like, somebody say bad day. <laughs> like, as if it wasn't bad enough that the women and children were taken captive, now David, David's own men turned on him and wanted to stone him to death. But I love this one simple phrase that you just underlined. But David strengthened himself. Or some translations say, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, those that know me know that I absolutely love, love, love the prophetic. I got saved in the, in the early 90s during an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Canada in a very prophetic church. I started prophesying from an early age. I started receiving prophetic words regularly because I was in that environment, and I love the prophetic. 
I come from a prophetic, prophetic churches. I love that this is a prophetic house. I love that you're about to do this prophetic training. And by the way, I encourage you to sign up because there are few gifts more powerful than the gift of hearing God's voice for the people around you for the purpose of encouragement, edification, and comfort. I love I as often as you can to encourage and build up the people around you. I love the prophetic. I came from a church that was so prophetic. I used to tell people, just show up one day and just look depressed. And I promise you, you'll get a prophetic word. You know what I mean? Just walk in, look down, and somebody will seek you out and give you a word. I love the prophetic. But let me just say this. If the only time that we are strengthened, if the only time that we find encouragement is when somebody else speaks a prophetic word to us, or tells us how amazing we are, I'd like to propose to you that something's a little off. And I believe that to be a people who are strong in God, a people who are fully equipped and mature enough to see cities, regions, and nations transformed, we need to be a people who need to need know how to not just receive encouragement from other people, but a people that know how to find strength and encouragement in the Lord our God on Wednesday morning when we're at work and our boss is on our back and there's nobody around to prophesy over us, what do we do then? We need to be a people that know how to find strength or encouragement in the Lord our God. And if I could for a few minutes this morning, I promise to be done by 4 p.m., I want to share a pastoral message if I would. I want to be really practical, but I believe this is really important, that we know how to find strength and encouragement in God when nobody else is around. Listen, I believe that every single one of us should have encounters and experiences with our Heavenly Father that nobody knows about except you and Him. It's called intimacy. It's called the secret place. Listen, I love sharing testimonies of when God speaks to me and hearing testimonies of when God encounters you. But I believe a sign of maturity is when we develop such a secret place lifestyle with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, that there are some things that you encounter with Him that nobody knows about except you and your Father because you have that type of intimacy with Him. And I want to talk about what it looks like to find strength in the Lord your God. And the first key that I want to share is this. In order to find strength in God or to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, we need to be a people who take captive every thought that doesn't produce hope in our life. Everybody say, take captive every thought that doesn't produce hope. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He said this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, there it is, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What did David do when his women and children were taken captive? I believe he took his thoughts captive. Because how many of you know he could have allowed his thoughts to go crazy? Oh my goodness, what if they're dead? And now my men want to stone me. And I can picture him just getting alone, away from his men, away from the camp, pacing in a field somewhere. 
and he has a decision to make. Am I going to partner with all the thoughts that are jacking me up on the inside? Or am I going to take those captive and only meditate and think about those things that produce hope? Way back in the 1980s, an author by the name of Francis Frangipan wrote a book called The Three Battlegrounds. And in that book, he said this. He said, every area in your life that doesn't glisten with hope Everybody say glisten with hope. Every area in your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie in that area and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. How many of you know that when we think about and not just think about but start to believe lies, we empower a disempowered devil? So he said, every air in your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. Now, how do we know that? Because in Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you. He's not just the God that gives hope. He's the God of hope. He is hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Listen to this. In believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, how much hope you and I have has everything to do with how much truth we're believing. And Cindy said it perfectly. Like, uh, what did you say? A joyful certainty? A happy certainty. Or, or as I like to say, to have hope is to have a joyful, confident expectation of good. If you don't have a joyful, confident expectation of good for your finances, your relationships, your health, You name the area. If you don't have that, it's not glistening with hope in that area. It means that somewhere you're believing a lie, and that area can become a stronghold of the devil in our lives. So I believe to be a people that strengthen ourselves in God, we need to take captive every thought that's not producing hope. What does that mean? What does it look like on a Tuesday morning? It means when you wake up on a Tuesday morning, and all of a sudden you're thinking thoughts that are producing depression, hopelessness, discouragement, You need to go, wait a second, this isn't from God. I must be believing a lie. Find out what it is that you're believing. What are you thinking about? Say it out loud so that you expose it for what it is and then replace it with the truth of what God's word says about that area. Because listen, how many of you know that in the kingdom, not all truth is created equal? See, some things are true. In other words, they're fact. But in the kingdom, there's things that are truer. Here's an example. It might be true that you received a really bad report from the doctor. And, you know, some people in the name of faith just deny the facts. They're like, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. In Jesus' name, I'm not sick. And I want to be like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Just acknowledge it so that you can receive healing. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's your identity. But, but, see, not all truth is created equal. It might be a fact that you got a bad report from the doctor. But how many of you know that it's true? truer that Christ is the healer. It's like, it might be true that you're in a whole bunch of financial debt, but how many of you know it's truer that in God, there's always a solution. He is the wisdom from above, and he's the God who will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So it's like, what, what truth are you, or what fact are you meditating on? Are you, are you meditating on the facts 
or are you meditating on the word of God that's actually a greater reality that oftentimes trumps your current experience? Is this helping anybody? So you need to take captive every thought that doesn't produce hope. It says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we need to be careful. What are we meditating on? What are we dwelling on? If it's producing hopelessness, discouragement, recognize it, take it captive, replace it with the truth, and uh, not only believe the truth, but this takes me to the second key that I want to share. To strengthen ourselves in God, we need to speak the truth out loud over our lives and over our situation. Everybody say, speak the truth out loud. Do you remember when Jesus was led by the devil into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days? And it says that he came out in the power of the spirit. Remember how the devil would twist scripture. He's twisting truth to try to get Jesus to disobey his father and to bow his knee to the enemy. And it says that, you know, the devil would say, well, doesn't it say that if you cast yourself off this, you know, tower that the angels will pick you up? And whenever Jesus responded to the enemy, he said, no, 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 scripture says thou shall not put the Lord your God to the test and began to quote scripture back to the devil. Notice that Jesus didn't think his way out of the wilderness. He spoke his way out. You know, in Nehemiah 1.8, it says, may the weak say I am strong, not just think it, but to actually say it and to strengthen ourselves in God. Like sometimes we just need to actually speak truth out loud over ourselves. Like, and I, I picture King David do this. He's probably like pacing back and forth in the field. He's, you know, he's, he's taking the thoughts captive. You know, he's reminding himself of prophetic words. You know, the prophet Samuel anointed you and said that you'd be king. So they're not really going to stone you. And then he probably began to speak over himself. David, it's going to be okay. Remember when you face that situation, God's going to bring you through this one too. And he's actually speaking truth over himself. See, sometimes, like, I, again, I love the prophetic, but you know, sometimes you just need to give yourself a word. Sometimes you need to look yourself in the mirror, not wait for somebody at a conference to call you out of the crowd. Just wake up, look yourself in the mirror, and say, thus saith the Lord, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, I have a word for you. You're going to make it. You're going to get through this. God's causing all things to work together for your good. And even what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it around and use it for good and use it to propel you into your destiny because God can win with any hand. He's not surprised by anything the enemy's throwing at you. So keep your eyes on him and believe the truth and begin to speak the truth over yourself. David did this. I'm, I'm sure he did. Like he's probably, if, if his men looked at him, he's probably like walking around just talking to himself, you know? And, uh, and I believe that's part of strengthening ourselves in God. I had a, a pastor um, years ago, uh, shortly after I got saved. In, I got saved in Eastern Canada in the mid-90s. And my pastor was Steve Witt, um, now pastor's Bethel Cleveland, a real apostolic leader. But I remember him telling stories about strengthening himself. And we had a real prophetic church. But he told stories how sometimes when he would feel discouraged, he would, uh, he'd be in his church office and he would call his home phone number. Remember landlines? Like, remember when we actually had phones that, like, stuck to the wall? And answering machines, remember those? Where you had little tapes that would record. And, and uh, I was born in 78, so I remember some of that stuff. And uh, I do remember eight tracks, though, that my mom didn't use, but they're in my house. I'm like, what are these things? But anyway, a little past those. Um, but he would call himself at home and leave himself a message on his answering machine. Knowing nobody's home, he would call his home number. The answering machine would pick up, and he'd be like, 
Hello, Pastor Steve. This is Pastor Steve calling. I just want you to know I've been thinking about you. I'm praying for you. You've been, in my, you've been on my heart. And I just want to encourage you. You're, you're a great pastor. You're a man of God. You're a great husband. You're a great dad. You're doing a great job in your city. Revival's coming to your city. Awakening's coming to this region. And he would literally prophesy over himself into the answering machine. He would come home for the day and play it and be like, oh, that's a great word. Yeah, I received that. Oh, yeah, that bears witness with my spirit, you know. And he, and he, would, and he would just receive. You know, sometimes it's funny, but we need to like, sometimes we just need to prophesy over ourselves. Sometimes we just need to speak to ourselves. This is really practical, but really, really important. We just need to tell ourselves, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You're feeling discouraged. You're on your way to work. Say out loud, God's going to bring you through this. God's faithful. He's for you and not against you. He's a really good father. And, and in saying things out loud, you can actually, you know, the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, it's not enough to think your way out of the wilderness. Sometimes you need to speak yourself out of discouragement. And as you speak it, allow it to be the word of God that releases faith into your spirit. Does that make sense? Key number three is remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Psalm 37 verse 3 says this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Listen to this. And feed on his faithfulness. How do you feed on the faithfulness of God? I believe we feed on the faithfulness of God by remembering testimonies. We feed on God's faithfulness and find strength by reminding ourselves, talking about it, maybe taking out your journal and reading about times where God was faithful, you had breakthrough in the past, and it's remembering the testimony. That's why testimonies are so important, which, by the way, I'm sure you've heard it in this house over and over. The Hebrew root word for the word testimony literally means to do it again. So when you remember testimonies, whether it was for something that God did for you or somebody else, and you, and you read them, you remind yourself of them, you review them, you talk about them, you're literally prophesying God's going to do it again. And, you know, David did this when he fought Goliath. Remember that? David's not even old enough to fight in the army, but his dad's like, hey, go bring your brothers some lunch at the battlefield. David shows up, leaves the sheep back home, shows up with a couple sandwiches for his brother, overhears this giant, Goliath, who's been trained to kill people since he was a kid, the Bible says. He's a giant. What was he, seven foot, eight foot something, nine foot something? And he's, and he's there taunting the people of, or the, the, the children of Israel, saying, send somebody to fight, fight me. You saw the VeggieTales version, right? If, if I win, Israel will become our servants. If you win, and he's thinking, like, that's going to happen, we'll become your servants. Israel's absolutely terrified. Nobody's going out to fight them, including King Saul. David, who's not even old enough to be in the army, shows up, overhears, and he's like, you guys are letting him talk like this? Like blaspheming our God? And he's like, by the way, what's going to happen for the guy who takes him out? He was that confident he was going to win if he got a chance to fight him. What's going to happen for the guy who, who takes out this giant? They're like, well, his, you know, the king's going to exempt his whole family from taxes and 
is going to give his daughter in marriage. David's like, I'm in. Bring me a sword. Bring me something. I'm going to take him out. His brothers are like, you know, they, they don't think he can do it. David goes to Saul. He's like, he's, and, then, and what did he do? David started feeding on God's faithfulness. He's like, Saul, your servant has fought both the lion and the bear. When I was tending my dad's sheep, a lion would try to take one of the, the sheep or a bear would come. The anointing of God would come on me. I would, I would take out this bear. I would take out this lion. And then he prophesied and he declared. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. He prophesies his destiny. He doesn't even wear the armor because it's, it's ill-fitting. It's too big for him. He goes out with a slingshot and five smooth stones. Some scholars believe that Goliath had four brothers who were also giants. It's not that David didn't think he was going to get him on the first shot. It's like, I heard he had some brothers and I'm ready to take them out too. And, he, and, and he's feeding on God's faithfulness to give him strength in the Lord his God to face his current situation. And listen, if you are facing a giant this morning in your finances, your relationship, spiritually, you just feel like you're under it, whatever it is, if you're facing a giant, I want to encourage you. Remember all the times God was faithful before. Remember when you faced something similar and God brought you through. Remember when you faced something similar or somebody else you knew went through it and you heard their testimony of the way God brought them through. Feed on God's faithfulness and understand that God will do it again and give you the victory. Make sense? Romans 12, 11 says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So we need to feed on his faithfulness. The fourth key that I want to share is this, is one of the ways we find strength in the Lord our God is by reminding ourselves of our prophetic words. How many of you have received a prophetic word, whether it's from a person or just reading scripture, you felt like God gave you a promise from scripture, he spoke to you directly or through a person, you've received some type of prophetic promise for your life. Just raise your hand nice and high. So there's people all over the room. So one of the ways that we encourage ourselves in God is by reminding ourselves of what God's spoken over our life. And again, I believe David did this. He's pacing in the field. He's fighting discouragement. He's distressed. And I believe he's reviewing the prophetic destiny that prophet Samuel spoke over his life. David, it's going to be okay. The prophet Samuel said that you're going to be king. He anointed you king, and God's going to be faithful. He's going to bring it to pass. So therefore... These men aren't going to stone you. Remember God's faithfulness. You're going to recover uh, your women and children. None's going to be lost. And he's encouraging himself in God. And we do that by reviewing our prophetic words. And Paul told Timothy to do this. Listen to this in 1 Timothy 1.18. Paul told his protege Timothy, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, listen to this, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Some versions say that by them you may fight the good fight. How do we fight the good fight against discouragement? By waging war with our prophetic words. By taking out our journal and reminding ourselves. And I'll do this. I'll just review. I'll forget some words that somebody might have spoken over me. And I'll just be going through my journal and be like, oh, yeah. In June 16th, at prophetic training, this person said that I was going to do this. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll just begin to encourage myself. So a lot of you know who Bill Johnson is. Um, pastor of Bethel Reading, and, uh, you know, Bill, to this day, if he's on his way to speak at a conference, which he does all the time, he's on the airplane, he has, like, those little recipe cards with prophetic words written out on them that he keeps in his briefcase. 
from way back when he pastored in Weaverville. He has a stack of prophetic promises over his life. And as he's on his way to preach somewhere, do you know what he does? He encourages himself. He strengthens. This isn't something that we're supposed to just do if we're really, really down. It's something that we're supposed to do to just build ourselves up constantly, becoming stronger and stronger in God. And he's on his way to speak somewhere, and he's just reviewing these prophetic words. Probably sitting in first class, (laughs) eating some really good food meditating on the prophetic promises over his life, feeding on God's words over his life, strengthening himself in God. And I like to tell people, sometimes the word, the prophetic word that you need the most is the prophetic word that you received last. (laughs) Sometimes it's not that you need a new word. You just need to meditate on the words God's already spoken to you. Especially if they haven't happened yet. Go back and meditate on them. Feed on them. Oh, God, you said that I'm going to do this. Thank you. And you know what else is fun? It's fun to go back and read prophetic words over your life and watch how God's been fulfilling them one after one. Oftentimes not in the order that we expect. But if you go back, you'll notice a history of God's faithfulness. And then those ones that haven't happened yet, read them, review them, speak them even out loud over yourself. Lord, thank you that you said you're going to do this. Thank you. Lord, you said that I'm going to go to, I'm just making something up. You said that I'm going to go to 55 nations preaching the gospel. I've only been to 20. Thank you that there's 25 to go. Lord, show me, open doors to these nations to preach the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's meditating on his words. It's building ourselves up and strengthening ourselves in God. Does that make sense? The fifth and final key that I want to share. By the way, if you don't have any prophetic words over your life, ask somebody to give you one. In fact, ask Cindy today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to her. Come to prophetic training or find people that are on the ministry team or people that you know are, are released to, you know, give words here and say, listen, I've never gotten a word. Can you just pray for me and see if God gives you a word of encouragement for me and uh, hang on to that word and fight the good fight with the spoken word over your life. The last key that I want to share is this. To be a people who strengthen ourselves and encourage ourselves in God. We need to be a people, listen to this, who know how to pray in the Spirit. Talk about speaking in tongues. Am I in a charismatic house? (laughs) It's a Spirit-filled church. Listen, if you don't have the gift of speaking in a heavenly language, there's no condemnation. It doesn't mean you don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean you're not saved. Some denominations believe that the gift of speaking in tongues is the only evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I personally don't believe that. I don't believe there's biblical precedent for that. I do believe it is uh, a very common um, gift that's released when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you, and I'll show you in a second, biblically speaking... I believe that every single one of us who are born again, filled with the Spirit of God, or have, even if you're born again, but you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe the Bible instructs us to desire earnestly, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, spiritual gifts. Now, I often use this passage of Scripture when I teach on the prophetic. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 3, Paul said, desire earnestly. Some translations say zealously passionately desire spiritual gifts. And then Paul said, especially that you might prophesy. And then he compares speaking in tongues to prophesying. He said, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. 
But we're talking about strengthening ourselves in God. And I believe to be a people that tap into the fullness of the grace and strength and encouragement that's available for us by the Spirit of God, we need to be a people that do not neglect the gift of praying in a heavenly language. And again, there's no shame or no condemnation, but I I just want to say this. If you have the gift of speaking in a heavenly language and you don't do it very much, there's no shame, there's no condemnation, but you're only tapping into a portion of the strength that's available to you. To those that have never received the gift of speaking in tongues or a heavenly language, I want to encourage you to ask for it because ask God for it because the Bible says he's, he's a father of lights who gives good gifts to those who ask him. Matthew 7, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And he said, for everyone who asks receives, to him who seeks finds, to him who knocks the door will be open. Then he said this, if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Some translations say, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Or some, another place in the gospels. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have it, ask for it. And I remember I got saved in the early 90s again, and the Holy Spirit's moving in my church, and he's moving powerfully, and people are speaking in tongues. People are prophesying and doing all this thing. And I was like, I want, I want the gift of speaking in the tongues. So I asked people to pray. And I, and I have friends who, when they got the gift of speaking in a, in another, in a heavenly language, um, which, by the way, is for the purpose of building ourselves up, Paul says, which we'll look at in a second. When you speak in tongues, it's not to show off. It's not to show somebody how spiritual you are. It's, the Bible says in Romans that we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, prays through us with words that we don't understand. And praying in a heavenly language is a way to allow your spirit to connect directly to his spirit to find strength in the Lord your God. By the way, if you have a, an important decision to make and you're not what, sure what to do, a really good way to tap into wisdom is just to pray in the spirit. Get alone with God and is praying a heavenly language. And Paul said, I'll pray with the spirit, in other words, a gift of tongues, that my mind doesn't understand, but God knows, and I'll pray with my understanding. So I like to do both. I'll be alone with God, and I'll, and I'll pray in the spirit. And then I'll be like, Lord, thank you that you're giving me wisdom. Thank you that you're going to show me what to do in this situation. And then I'll keep praying in the spirit as well. And as I do that, oftentimes, not only do I find myself getting encouraged and strengthened in my inner man, but oftentimes wisdom and the solution will come to you. A good way to get divine strategies or insight or wisdom from God is praying in the spirit. And it, and it also strengthens ourselves in God. And uh, so, so it's a powerful way to build ourselves up. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 to 4, I said this. Uh, verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So when we pray in a heavenly language, we strengthen ourselves and build ourselves up. Romans 8, 26, Paul said, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, Paul said, I thank God. I speak in tongues more than all of you. If he was Texan, he would say, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all y'all. 
So Paul did this all the time because he knew that it strengthened himself, built himself up. Now, back to what I was saying. I know friends who, when they got the gift of speaking in tongues, it was just like, it just gushed out of them, like a, a language. It's like almost like God just spoke through them, almost like beyond their control. It just started flowing out of them. I know other people, including myself, who had to do it by faith. It's like you ask for the gift, and it's like, okay, I feel like I could start making these sounds right now, but I feel like I'm kind of making it up. I want to encourage you, just do it. Even if you think you're making it up, because oftentimes, even if we think we're making it up, just like a prophetic word, just doing it by faith, we, we start to realize we're co-laboring with God. You have the mind of Christ. So it feels like you're just making it up so many times is actually the spirit of God. And I, I believe the longer we walk with God, the more our thoughts are just seem like his thoughts or his thoughts just seem like our thoughts. So just even if you feel like you're making it up, just do it. Just make some sounds. I mean, if, even if you are making it up, the worst thing that's going to happen is you made it up. Nobody else even needs to know that. Just do it with God. Just do it alone. But for me, I got one syllable, and it was ba. <laughs> so rather than get discouraged and be like, why don't I get more like Johnny? I was like, I'm just going to work this ba. I'm just going to own it, <laughs> and I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to do it a lot. And I'd be in my room, and I'd just be like, ba, 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 ba. You know, it's like, but I believed it was God by faith. I asked for it, and it's what came. So I'm like, thanks, Lord. And I didn't despise the day of small, small beginnings. So I just kept doing it, and eventually more started to come. I was like, I feel like I can get creative here. And I just started, like, doing more and more and more. And now I just, you know, ask my wife and, and my girls. I do it all the time. And, like, now my girls will, like, mimic my tongue. Like, they'll do it. Like, I'll be like, udo shurarabai. And Autumn will go, udo shurarabai. And she'll like, I'm like, that's pretty good, but get your own, you know. Um, <laughs> It, and, uh, but, but we can ask God for this, knowing that he's a good father who gives good gifts to those who ask him. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. All right. So I just want to, um, I'm going to ask, um, just, uh, um, the keyboard player to come up. The whole band doesn't have to come up, but if, um, our keyboard friend can come up to start to play, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to close, but just in. Just in summary, to be a people who strengthen ourselves in God, we need to take captive every thought that doesn't produce hope. We need to speak truth over our situations out loud. We need to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness, reviewing all the times that he's been faithful. Number four, remind yourself of your own prophetic words and, and, and fight the good fight with the prophetic words spoken over your life. Number five, pray in the spirit. Pray in a heavenly language. This is what I want to do. Let's all stand together. And as, as our friend just begins to play in the keys, we're going to practice speaking truth over our lives. And we're just going to make some declarations together. Can we do that? Just do this. Put your hand on your heart. And I want you to say this out loud. I am learning how to strengthen myself in the Lord my God. I'm going from glory to glory. From strength to strength. Say it nice and loud with some conviction. My best days are ahead. The best is yet to come. My family is blessed. My finances are blessed. My relationships are blessed. My relationship with God's getting better and better. Everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit goes. When I lay hands on the sick, they recover. I speak life to dry bones. I'm a blessing to those around me.
My city is blessed. My region is blessed. God's bringing breakthrough to our nation and the nations of the earth. In Jesus' name. Let's just thank Jesus this morning. Father, we just say that we love you. We worship you. We give you praise. Now listen. If there's anybody here, you need to stay standing. I mean, yeah, stay standing for a minute. And you're like, you know what? And I don't mean like you had a bad morning because you spilled your coffee. But you're, you're like facing a zigzag situation in your life right now. It's like you are in the valley of Ziklag and you need a grace released into your life. I know I'm preaching on strengthening yourself in God, but I also want this to be a place where people can gather around you and lend their strength to you as you choose to strengthen yourself in God. If that's you, you're in a situation like that where you just really need the grace of God in your life because you're in a Ziklag season. I felt this during worship. Just raise your hand nice and high where you are. All right, raise your hand nice and high right here. And okay, the rest of you look around and if you see people with their hand raised, I just want you to put your hand on them. And I just want you to begin to speak great grace over them right now. Say great grace come in Jesus' name. Lord, we release great grace over these ones. That you would release a grace for them to find strength in you right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Release peace. Release grace. And Father, I pray that even like David, you would release an assurance into their heart that you are faithful and that they're going to recover all in Jesus' name. Just just speak that over them. Say full recovery in Jesus' name. Full breakthrough in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak great grace in your situation. Lord, that you would restore, heal, make all things new in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, all over the room right now. Lord, you see every situation. And I pray that after this morning, this week, we would hear testimonies of these ones recovering all because of your faithfulness. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynv.com.